Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Autosport Podcast. It's Ferrari's turn as they have now launched their 2024 Formula One Challenger, the SF24. And with the news of the move of Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari in 2025, there's a lot of intrigue going on into this launch and what it means for the prancing horse, not just for 2024, but going forward into 2025. Now, I'm Bryn Lucas and joining me this time, I'm delighted to have once again F1 editor John Noble and from all the way over in Italy, Roberto Kinkero. First of all, Roberto, you're over there in Italy We've not really spoken at all about what the reception's been like since the Lewis Hamilton news. Has the place calmed down yet? Not at all. (laughs) The the news about Lewis was a kind of earthquake in Italy. Uh, First of all, because nobody expected. And uh, uh, I have to say that in Ferrari tradition, every news is announced by rumours. This time uh, was uh, absolutely a big surprise for everybody. And uh, it was it was a, a big one. I think it was the the drivers' market move of the decade, probably or more. And um, at the same time, I think that uh, uh, a lot of people understand that was for 2024. <laughs> for people say no, it's not possible. It's 2025. But in any case, it was a, a very important, very big news. Not only for the sport magazine, but the news was. Uh, on the cover of all of the daily magazines. So it was a very, very big. They opened uh, all the, the the TV news with uh, with Lewis Hamilton face in red suite. I don't know if Mercedes is happy about that, but thank you for Photoshop. <laughs> Thanks to most fair. Lewis in red was already here. I mean, what I'm delighted to say is you probably can't see this. On, well, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but as soon as I mentioned that, John Noble just burst into a fit of coughing there. He was so overcome with emotion. <laughs> I mean, John, uh, the, the conversation is still very much centred around Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari, even though there have been so far, what, seven launches? Uh, I've lost count now. I'm in, in this blur of launch week, unfortunately, and just managed to, the glamour of launches, having a quick cup of tea between mad bouts of work, managed to swallow it the wrong way, so... Apologies for dry throat and my eyes. It, it proves you're human, John. It pr- you're you're, you're, you're <laughs> nothing if you're not there for the common people. 
Talk to us about this this new car then, the SF24, the beautifully named SF24. What have we learned from the car so far? What have you learned from the car so far? Uh, it's quite an impressive launch, actually. I think if people were expecting, you know, we knew Ferrari were going to do something different this year, and I think a lot of people expected all designs to shift towards the Red Bull, and were we going to have Red Bull clones basically up and down the grid? I think if people were expecting it to go all the way to the Red Bull, they'd probably be disappointed. It's kept its own push rod, pull rod uh, suspension layout, so it's not gone down the the Red Bull route. The side pods aren't going full down what what Red Bull have done. They've stepped towards them, but not completely. Different rear wings. So it's stepped towards Red Bull, but it's not a Red Bull. But I think actually a lot of the changes, important changes, are underneath the skin. They've talked about making this car more drivable, um, less peaky. They want it to be easier to drive for the drivers because I think the key problem... Key understanding from last year was they built a car that was theoretically very quick. We saw that with the pole positions that Charles Leclerc, you know, often banged them out. We'll be starting up there. But come Sunday, didn't have the consistency, couldn't look after its tyres. And this is the area they've they've worked on to make this car more compliant. You know, it's not stuff doesn't suffer so much in the wind, doesn't suffer so much from the temperature changes, doesn't suffer so much when the tyres wear off. Um, and this is the true test. Um, you know, how is that car going to perform on Sundays? I think that's the uh, that's the focus, and it's something they aren't going to understand till we get to Bahrain. From a personal point of view, it's an absolute beauty, though, isn't it? I mean, they've got the look of it absolutely bang on. If it goes anywhere as quickly as it looks beautiful, it's going to be a real contender. Yeah, I think it looks great. Um, I read a piece, uh, Roberto's colleague, colleague Franco Nunes wrote a piece this morning just about the kind of the build-up to the launch and how John Elkin, Ferrari CEO was at the factory, you know, overseeing these the, the final stickers being put on the car, which I think is just quite a nice little postcard piece about a the interest that John Elkins having having now because there'll be times where perhaps the big Ferrari chiefs weren't so weren't so happy to be associated with the F1 team that thinking well it's a bit a bit political, not performing as well as we well as we might. But there's this, this new kind of belief and optimism now at Ferrari that the things are changing, that it's heading in a direction with Lewis Hamilton coming, and I think general excitement of a car that. Looks good. They think they've made positive changes. Motivated team and drivers and pushing forwards to, you know, what could be a a fascinating era. Yeah, absolutely so. What about yourself, Roberto? I mean, Ferrari do make nice looking cars, whether it's this that's next to me here, my Lego one, or the the Formula One cars. But what are your thoughts of not just the look of it, but what's under the skin, as John says? Yeah, I'm expecting the big big, uh, part of of the development is under the bodywork. So, uh, everybody thinks that the car is not a revolution, it's just an evolution. Um, last year, especially in the second part of the season, uh, the engineers spent a lot of time in, uh, just for understanding the problem that uh, John mentioned was particular in Sunday. Sunday during the race, the race pace was the, the, the big issue. I mean, the tire management uh, especially. And um, I think that th- that is the target. Um, I'm expecting a lighter car. I'm expecting a more drivable car. That is probably the first target, considering the the, the problem they had last year. And um, of course, people now can comment uh, that there is some uh, yellow on the car. There is a yellow called Modena yellow. It's part of the tradition of Ferrari. It's a particular paint. Uh, but we we'll see we we'll see in Bahrain. Fred Vasser said, "Okay, the car is more drivable." On the simulator, Sainz and Leclerc confirmed this, but we want to see the car in Bahrain. I, I add that we'll see the car in Bahrain. I think they are waiting for the race simulation. I'm, I'm expecting the good lap time in any case, but 
the target is the race simulation. That probably would be the first big answer for Ferrari in 2024. Bit of a spoiler there, so keep your eyes open on that one. What do they say about Ferrari? Your first Ferrari has to be red. Your second one could be yellow. So there's a nice little nod to the fact that, you know, if you've got a couple of Ferraris, at least one of them has to be a non-red. So there you go, the modern yellow. Now, compared to 2022, 2023 was a rather uh, muted, I think is the word to say, season. Although Ferrari did stop Red Bull from winning every single race, which was a joy. But what can we expect from Ferrari in 2024? Let's start with you, John. I think progress towards the front. I don't think they're under any illusions that what they've created uh, you know, is guaranteed to beat Red Bull. As, you know, they, they feel they've made progress, but as we all know, it's relative in Formula 1. As Fred Verseur says, if you find one second of improvement, um, that's great. But if your rivals have found three seconds, you're an idiot. If your rivals haven't made any improvement, you're a hero. So this is, this is the game they're in at the moment. But you do sense that there's kind of some newfound belief and optimism they found answers. I asked Charles Leclerc about, you know, this, this kind of mood of optimism and belief. I think Franco Nunes referred to it as a project relaunch, basically, and a kind of a new new vibe, new new look to the future. I said, is there this feeling inside Ferrari? He says there is, but it wasn't hasn't been this winter. It came from six months ago. He talked about this test they did at Zamvoort last year where they basically wrote off the weekend. They did split setups, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, to try to get to the bottom of what the car problems were. Um, it meant they weren't as prepared for that race weekend, but they came out of it in meetings with an answer for the car, what they needed to do, push that forward. It triggered the Suzuka floor update, which you know delivered this step forward to Ferrari that ended their season much stronger. And it's come from there. They're, they're getting engineering answers. They're getting working together. They're plotting kind of what went wrong and why it went wrong last year. So I think the belief is there of progress, but... I think they're not foolish enough and we're not foolish enough to predict just how much progress they can make. We've been in this particular situation before, haven't we, where we look at Ferrari and think, hey, they could do it, they could do it. What about over in Italy then, Roberto? What's the consensus of what Ferrari can achieve in 2024? I think for the Tifosi, you know, there is only one target. Realistic realistic, uh, talking, I think that uh, if Ferrari will be able to win four, five races it will be a significant step up con- compared to last year. But I-, I think the most important thing is to uh, uh, to reduce the gap with Red Bull. Is the, I think it's difficult to fill the gap completely because I- I'm expecting Red Bull is increasing his performance as well. So uh, now it's a, it's a special time of the season eh, when every team knows how uh, they all car is better than last year. I'm, I'm, I, I heard rumors that some teams are faster, half a second, four tenths, four, sec, uh, four tenths, six tenths, but you don't know what Red Bull will do. Uh, realistic, I think P2 in the championship, in the constructor championship, and four or five wins. That should be, I think, uh, a target that can uh, confirm that Ferrari is in a good trend, the trend that, as John mentioned, start last year, in the second part of the season. And if you have a, a a good season in 2024, you can have a better target, the maximum target in 25. I think this is the plan of the team. So not quite small steps. You are expecting or hoping that there's going to be a few more victories going Ferrari's way come 2024 season. But what about, I mean, John, you mentioned Charles Leclerc a few moments ago. You know, he signed this new season, this new contract, sorry, hinting he's going to be there for you know a few more seasons essentially taking him beyond the, the new era of 2026. What's he saying about the car and about the season and about his own expectations? 
Yeah, it was quite quite interesting today because they did the. Uh, I think today is a shakedown, not a filming day, because I think that they can choose how many how many miles to do. So it's two hundred k for filming day, which they're doing tomorrow. So today was just a shakedown at the first few laps, and you often find that teams that teams of drivers that do these little shakedowns and they'll come out. So everything feels great, everything's wonderful, uh, even if it's not. And now twelve months on, Charles was asked today about the car and how it feels, and he says, "Last year I knew straight away that the car didn't feel very good and wasn't very good." Um, which is kind of something he didn't say at the time. But uh, he says this one feels, he called it healthier, basically, better balance. He says you can't predict anything about competitiveness because it's that relative game, game we've talked about. But I think there's a, a feeling that it feels more together as a package. It's probably lost that, that peakiness that was the, the big problem last year. So it's not an edge, probably compliant if you can feel that already. So I think we see, see a first first signs that maybe it's made the progress in the areas it wants to do but I think it all goes down to what Roberto's called that those race runs in Bahrain testing yeah first signs brings me nicely to Carlos signs see what I did there beautiful <laughs> oh. right thanks thanks for that John thank you Roberto thanks for humoring me as well but uh, over there in Italy we know that Carlos signs is, uh, is in his, his last season at Ferrari we'll get into where he's going to go and what's going to happen post Ferrari for him a little bit later on but what can Carlos expect this season? I mean, if the car's performing a little bit better, if it's easier to control, more um, you know, more purposeful out there on track, that's surely going to help him, you know, come across as as a really, really good entity and, and prospect for other teams come twenty twenty five. I think uh, Carlos will use uh, this season. Of course, he is he's trying to have this best result possible, but we use this. Uh, First part of the season also as a present card for to for introduce himself to the to the, the team that we have next year. Um, it's quite. Uh, I think it's not an easy situation, but Carlos surprised me in, in terms of, of. I think his mental very strong, and he confirmed this in the last three years. Ferrari was not easy for him to arrive alongside. Uh, a driver like Leclerc, I have to say that he surprised me a lot, not only me, surprised a lot of people in Italy that probably did not consider him uh, as good as Sebastian Vettel was. Uh, and uh, in the end, I think he performed very, very close to Charles. That was a surprise. Uh, it will be difficult, in my opinion, the second part of the season. Uh, because normally the people that are, the drivers are leaving the team are not uh, invited in the technical meeting. That happened also with Lewis, with Mercedes. So probably the biggest uh, change for, for, for Carlos will start after the summer break. Um, but it's a very professional guy. I'm not expecting a particularly change of uh, attitude. Of uh, I'm expecting a good Carlos until, the, as, it, as Fred Vasser said, until the last corner of the last race this year. Yeah, and of course, John, someone like Carlos, he's got this extra motivation, hasn't he, to prove to Ferrari that they're completely wrong to have gone down the the Lewis Hamilton track and you know signed him. They should have should have kept with Carlos, according to Carlos. Well, there is that, but I don't think that make any difference to his overall you know performance. I think he'll still be going out there delivering as much as he could if he had a contract or not. I don't. I think he's the sort of guy that won't let that get to him um he's not gonna i don't think he's gonna rush into deciding his future um there are options out there and i think the market it's probably gonna be a few twists and turns in the driver market as we go along um i still think the audi connection probably looks the most logical just in terms of kind of long-term projects building building something up for the future where he can potentially get himself into a race winning car 
Um, but equally, you'll want to keep keep an eye out, see what happens at Mercedes, see what happens at Red Bull. Um, I think he's in a quite a smart position just to sit back for a little bit and uh, see how it plays out. Yeah, we'll have to see where he stops when the music stops, won't we? <laughs> it's going to be a very interesting, silly season when it approaches us. Now, let's just stay with the team itself and, and Fred Vasseur. He starts his second season at the team. Uh, what are his expectations for this season? I think he said back in December that he wanted to avoid high expectations. Roberto? I, I think probably this year is the real... Uh, uh, Fred Vasseur season. Last year he arrived in Ferrari, was uh, in the first week of January. The car was already there. Uh, the divorce with Binotto was not easy. Um, a couple of people uh, in the management, in top management, left the team, uh, like Mekies uh, and um, uh, Sanchez that swapped to McLaren. So it was not easy. The, fir- the first uh, three, four months, the car was not performing well. Um, I think now is the Fred Vasseur Ferrari. We have, we already have seen last year in the second part of the season um, a more compact group. I think uh, the pit stop was better, the strategy was better, um, the, the race management was better. Um, now we need the car. Uh, I think it's not the we are, yeah, we are still waiting for two three engineers that are in gardening at the moment to complete probably the team that Fred wants to have. But I think um, he found different way to manage the people that was already in Ferrari, like, uh, like for example, Enrico Cardile. Um, I'm expecting a good season. He knows that we will be judged a lot this season, more than last year, because last year everybody knew that he arrived in the middle of the project. This year is completely his full project is by Fred Vasseur. So, uh, he underlined today that it's not his job, but it's 1,000 people's job. So it's it's very complicated one. But of course, the team principal is the team principal. The, in the end, the, the final sign is by Fred. So I think that um, will be a crucial season for, for, for Fred Vasseur. Yeah, John, do you think we're going to see a calm Fred Vasseur this year or are we going to see a very impatient Fred Vasseur if things don't quite go to plan? I think calm. He's got a, got a Lewis Hamilton 25 contract in his pocket. So I think that's bought him an awful lot of kind of time and goodwill um, and that kind of focus on the long-term plan, long-term vision. I think if people talk about, you know, the, the Lewis Hamilton era coming up, it's going to be a kind of a new new time for Ferrari. It's something exciting for the future. And I think that, that kind of buys Fred Vasseur a, a season where if they don't make all the progress the future's still bright, it's still pushing on forwards. So I don't think he'll be impatient. I sense that, you know, he's lived through the most difficult period, which was, was those first six months when he took over, he lost, lost the staff, had to try and convince people he was the right man for the job. And I think he's come through that second half season that, that Charles Leclerc talked about since Zanvoort. You know, they Fred says the team woke up, basically, and it got itself sorted. And that's what it's building into, into the season ahead. So I think, I think we'll see a calm Fred basically, unless it all turns to complete disaster, of course. <laughs> That's no fun, is it? A calm Fred Vasseur. <laughs> now, let's just stay with Lewis Hamilton for a moment because arguably it's the biggest story in the last while in Formula One, really, that Lewis Hamilton is jumping ship and going to Ferrari for 2025. This has really been the first opportunity that, for us to see Ferrari publicly uh, out there. Have they said anything, Roberto, about Hamilton moving to them? Have they said anything about their expectations, you know, 2025 and beyond? I, I'm expecting Lewis. Uh, I think the big difference 
between the Ferrari offer and uh, the contract that he, uh, Lewis had in his hands in Mercedes is the future. Um, Mercedes uh, offered him only one year, one year contract. Uh, Lewis asked uh, last summer to have a three years contract, at least two, two plus one. Ferrari offered him uh, a long-term contract. So Lewis wants to stay in Formula One a lot. Uh, honestly, yesterday surprised me a little bit, Fernando Alonso, when he said that he can drive until 50 years old. I said, it was, I remember very well when the Lewis and uh, Fernando uh, comments, uh, the Michael Schumacher come back with Mercedes. They say, oh no, I don't want to stay in Formula One until 40 years old. They, they are both here and they want to stay for a long time. So uh, I'm expected. Uh, Liu is very involved in the project. Um, I'm expecting he's enjoying, at the same time he's enjoying uh, his time. He, he, he knows that his last dance in Formula One. And uh, I, I think he has, he's mature. Nobody is questioning his, his, um, his ability, his talent, of course. And he's in a perfect position for enjoying his Ferrari time. Of course, a lot of depends from the car, how, how good will be the car. But Lewis is, uh, uh, he did a master plan in 2012 when he left McLaren. I think that he analyzed a lot the situation before uh, the, the, the final choice of his career. So um, I, I trust him. I think that if he moves, uh, it means that he, he had something in his pocket. He has a good relationship with John Elkan. John Elkan was, I think, a very, he did a, a very important role uh, in the in the Lewis decision, and um, at the moment I don't see any particular problem in the future. Then we'll see what's going to happen. But at the moment I don't see any criticism. Yeah, as Roberto just says, John, that when Hamilton moved from McLaren to Mercedes, there are a few people thinking, "What's he know that we don't?" It was a kind of a bit of a you know came out of left field, didn't it? Oh my God, he's going to Mercedes. This is this is wow. Okay, is this going to prove to be a good decision? Well, we know it retrospectively yes it turned out to be a very very good decision for him so Lewis Hamilton wouldn't be going to Ferrari if Ferrari weren't showing the promise that he's expecting is that fair to say yeah absolutely I don't think this is a pure you know heart decision he's ignoring what everyone else is taking I think it will have been you know a lot of chats between Fred Vasseur and Lewis you know they go all the way back to the the junior single-seater ladder um, they've known each other for years they've been been friends chatting all the time uh, he'd have been through it all. He'd have been run through the, you know, where the team's going, what is the progress, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the ambitions, what are we changing for the future, how are things looking with the 26 regulations. I think he won't have made this choice purely thinking, oh, I'll be nice to have my career at Ferrari, it doesn't matter what the results are, I'll get some cash in the bank and I'm all done. He's going there to win. Ferrari want him there to win. Uh, Ferrari want him to help. Himself and Charles Leclerc win the constructors' championship. This is a you know it's a performance-driven reason that gives Lewis some fresh motivation after you know probably a little bit of feeling a bit of Groundhog Day at Mercedes, um, which is inevitable after so long at the same team. Yeah, now there's also been some kind of mixed reports about what Charles said about it or what Charles thinks about the move for Lewis going to Ferrari. What's the news coming out of Italy, Roberto? What I I know that is that. Uh, uh, when uh, Charles signed the contract, he already knew that uh, Lewis uh, uh, was, in the Ferrari, was in Ferrari. So it was not a surprise that arrived after he signed the contract, first of all. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for him. The, the worst scenario for, 
for the drivers is that when I arrive someone younger than you and this perform better than you, that is the worst scenario for, for every driver. Um, I think uh, Charles used a lot the, the season uh, one and a half year probably alongside uh, Sebastian Vettel. He, he understood a lot, he learned a lot with Sebastian. He had another opportunity with, uh, with Lewis. It's not a bad news for him. Uh, I think at the same time, he will have less pressure uh, than, uh, than now. I'm sure, I'm sure that he is sharing the pressure with Lewis at least 50% or probably 51% with Lewis. And um, I, don't think, I, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a bad news for him. I, I think it's a big opportunity. Yeah, John, what do you think? Do you tend to agree with that? Yeah, I think all these all top drivers, obviously, you know, in some respects, they want a teammate who's half a second slower because it makes their life a lot easier. Um, never challenged, instant number one, you know, roll on. But equally, I think they love pitting themselves against the best. And if you're Charles Leclerc, you want a Ferrari as competitive as possible. Um, you want it to be winning races. And if you know that someone's arriving that's going to give impetus to the team, it's give, giving it belief, motivation, optimism for the future. There are no excuses now for performance. They will push each other on. Um, and drivers have to have this innate belief in themselves that they can do it. And I think they'll, they'll both be going into 25. Lewis will think, I can beat Charles. And Charles will think, I can beat Lewis. That's just naturally part of the competitive nature of Formula One. And that will help drive the team forwards. And presumably for Carlos as well this season, he'll reap the benefits of the fact that Lewis Hamilton's joining in 2025 because the team will now be looking ahead and getting everything in place so that when they get to that season, let's just not write Ferrari off for 2024, but I think from the winning the title, it's probably uh, unlikely they're going to win. It's unlikely anyone's going to beat Red Bull this season, but someone like Carlos could probably reap the benefits, couldn't he, from the fact that the team are now looking ahead and having to pull their socks up ready for the arrival of the seven-time world champion, Roberto. Uh, it was, was not, was not a, a good news for him because he loves to stay in Ferrari, first of all. And honestly, I have to say that he did a good job. So there was any technical reason to replace Carlos. But of course, if you, if you have Lewis Hamilton on the market, how can you say no? Uh, that is the, the, the he was uh, I think Carlos was very unlucky because he was probably in the wrong time in, in the wrong place because technically speaking that there, there is no reason to replace him uh, but as I said when you have Lewis Hamilton is stuffed you cannot you cannot say no and I want to add also that uh, with Lewis and uh, Charles together um, someone said, oh, if you have two guys, you can have problem in the drivers' management. I, I think it's a sweet problem. Uh, you, you, have to, to, you have to hope to have that kind of problem if you are a team principal, because it means that the car is good. If I, don't, I cannot imagine Charles and Lewis fighting for a third place or take a risk for a third place. Of course, everything can change in the day uh, that uh, they are driving a car that can send them for, to fight for the world champion. So in that case, you have a problem, but you have to, <laughs> you have to hope. The, I, I think Fred Vassell really hoped to have that kind of problem. So uh, it's, uh, I, I think uh, Toto Wolf, I think he wants to have a, again the problem he had with Lewis and Nico because it means that the car is mega. So uh, it's a welcome problem for the team principal, that one. A welcome problem 
as you say, I mean, Toto is probably wishing he had that problem going ahead there. For Lewis, though, John, do you think that he, he's, he's getting older, right? I'm going to be very careful how I word this. He's getting older, and he knows that he's in the, the twilight of his career. Does he still have whatever it is that you need to have to be a world champion when it comes down to that real fight? So if he and Charles are fighting and he's got to do what Michael Schumacher did to say Damon Hill many, many years ago. Would Lewis Hamilton do that? Would he still have that fight in him? Or is he more uh, pragmatic in his approach? Yeah, well, I think that I don't think Lewis would do what Michael Schumacher did in terms of driving people off the road. I don't think he's that sort of driver. He's had, you know, he's had those instances with Max Verstappen. Um, but he's not someone who would, I think, go to the extremes that Michael did. But he's someone who will take things to the absolute limit, take things to the edge and knuckle down. And I think with Lewis, I think he knows, as Roberto said, when you're fighting for third, you often don't see the kind of A-plus star drivers absolutely excel and show the levels of brilliance that they do when he's coming down for race wins and coming down to fighting for world championship. Um, you know, you saw in Austin last year, for example, when Mercedes had that sniff of a sniff of a win in terms of pace, you know, Lewis was there, the consistency, able to push on. It's only really the strategy that's kind of scuppered that afternoon um, prior to the, obviously, the skid plate um, mess afterwards. But I think he he knows in himself where the motivation is. He questioned himself. We, we did an interview with him in Abu Dhabi last year. And he talked about, you know, questioning whether he still had what it takes, questioning whether was the problem, not the Mercedes car, was the problem himself. So he's been through all this reflective period and I think the conclusion is he has got what it takes but I think ultimately perhaps he felt that he needed this kind of fresh injection of excitement and motivation that comes from changing teams um, he talked about this kind of buzz he had when he joined Mercedes for the first time knuckling down with the details and speaking to team and plotting things and charting things and that's something you can't get after more than a decade at one outfit um, so I think maybe he feels that to get his best he needed this change of direction. Yeah, and as Fernando Alonso said just the other day, he can see himself in Formula 1 for a few more years. So why can't Lewis Hamilton be doing it for a fair bit longer? We've we've spoken about Lewis, we've spoken about Carlos, we've spoken about Charles. Let's just quickly stay on, on Carlos for a few moments, John, because what are your thoughts on how he's going to approach 2024 and his expectations? I think he'll approach it the same. I think performance-wise, it will be the same as if he you know, had a contract in place. He's the ultimate professional. He will go out there. He won't, you know, do anything silly to annoy the team. He knows he's got a job to do. He's, you know, technically very, very strong in the team. He'll push on to the, the final lap in Abu Dhabi um, just as normal. Um, I think what may, the only thing that could, could potentially impact it is if there is some uncertainty about him carrying on in Formula One, if, if the driver market gets messy and he gets beaten to a seat he wants. So he's, there will be a that, bit of that bubbling away in the background. But I don't see any of that affecting him, his on-track performance, nor the fact he's leaving the team, uh, unless you know, suddenly he finds the, kind of the, the rug pulled from underneath him and he's facing being out of Formula 1. Yeah, so the future is, is bright. The future is potentially red. We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see on that one there. Finally, you know I do this every time, John, but we're going to do a hit or a miss on the car and then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, but we'll get the hit or a miss first and we're going to start with you, John. On this Ferrari, the SF24, hit or miss? Uh, hit. Roberto? 
Hit. Hit. Okay, now I'm going to go one stage further here. We've seen, we've got Mercedes, McLaren and Red Bull to go. So we've seen seven out of the ten now. Where do you put this one out of all the liveries that you've seen so far? And I'm going purely on aesthetics here. You know, it's very much an aesthetic-based podcast, Roberto. Um, <laughs> or I video, depends what you're watching. <laughs> I was surprised by Aston Martin because it's very, very aggressive development of the car. Nothing is new in terms of concept, but was very extreme in terms of solution. So it was a, a beautiful car to watch, honestly. So you th- okay, interesting. All right. So and John, where do you put it? Do you, aesthetics in terms of the design or the livery. I'm talking however you want to take it, John. Oh, okay. Well, livery-wise, I, I actually it's probably might be P1 just because Ferrari in the past have you know done liveries which I've not liked, and uh, sometimes they can get it quite wrong on the the livery. But I think this one work just works as a whole. Overall concept, I think it looks great. So I put them P1. But I agree with Roberto. There was one angle yesterday of the Aston Martin. It was the kind of overhead front shot as it's looking down the angle of the side pods. And it looked amazing. Just the, you know, how they'd narrowed the, the inlets down and the, the swoops to the rear. It, you know, looks looked like a, uh, you know, rocket ship rather than a Formula One car, which I thought looked fantastic. So I think maybe we'll, we'll give Aston P1 just for that overhead shot that I quite liked yesterday. And uh, we'll give Ferrari P1 for the livery so far. Um, but we need to see how they, how they rock up in uh, testing. So there you have it. If we can see more of that one shot, then John is going to be absolutely <laughs> loving it. Otherwise, Ferrari are currently in P1 on the livery front. Look, gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me to John and to Roberto as well over there in Italy. Thanks very much. John, you can say thanks if you want. Oh, thanks. <laughs> heartfelt as always but that's it the SF24 from Ferrari has now been launched will they make up the gap will they be able to take Red Bull in 2024 well we're going to have to wait and see well there you go thanks so much for listening to this podcast don't forget we've got two more launches coming tomorrow McLaren and Mercedes followed by the champions Red Bull showing us what their offering is for the upcoming season until next time thanks for listening Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.